Um, welcome everybody to tonight's PBS Teachers Live webinar brought to you by PBS Teachers and Classroom 2.0. It's great to see so many folks here um, and to see how excited people are for tonight's event based on the chat um, that has been happening in the, in the moments leading up to this event. Um, I think it's going to be a terrific webinar. We've got some really, really excellent educators with us tonight who are going to share with you um, technology resources and strategies for teaching about place in, um, in connection with Ken Burns, the National Park series. So as I mentioned, the, the event is now being recorded. We'll post the archives on both PBS Teachers and Classroom 2.0 after the event. So if you miss anything, uh, you'll have ample opportunity to go back and, um, and revisit what was talked about here tonight. We're going to be showing quite um, a number of different websites and videos during the event. Um, we hope that it will all run smoothly, but we sometimes have difficulties with video when people, um, based on people's different connection speeds. So if you find that you are having difficulty watching a video clip, rest assured we're going to provide you with that URL and you'll be um, you know, in good shape to go back and watch that video um, after the event at your own leisure. So um, before we kind of jump into the heart of things, um, I want to welcome Steve Hargadon, my co-moderator and um, ask him to give you all a quick overview of the Illuminate environment so you know how to operate in this space. So Steve, welcome. Hi everyone and welcome tonight. Jenny, I had to skip forward on the slides. I hope that's okay. So you are in an Illuminate session. Uh, this is an online teaching and learning program and it's designed to be participative. So even though we're probably not going to take audio questions from the audience tonight, there are other ways that you can uh, participate. Below the participant window, you'll see some emoticons. There's a little smiley face, a kind of clapping hand, a frown face, and thumbs down. We don't see much of that, but they're all available for you to use. Um, to the left of that is a hand with an up arrow, and that would be for raising your hand. We're not probably not going to use that tonight, but that would allow you, uh, in normal circumstances, to raise your hand to ask a question. But again, tonight we'll probably just have you uh, do the clapping hands or the smiley face. You can also use the chat box below the participant window to leave comments, either for either questions, which I'll keep track of to ask it uh, toward the end of the show or when we have Q&A, or to send messages to other participants. With an audience of this size, it really helps to keep that chat on target or on task or topic. Um, sometimes it can be distracting if the conversation goes different directions. You can send the chat specifically to another person, but do know that there are no private chats. The moderators actually see all of that chatting that takes place. Um, in the area where you see the slide that says a quick orientation to illuminate, that's actually the whiteboard. And we're going to go to a map right now. And I'm going to give you permissions to actually participate in um, putting a mark on this map. Look for the little wand with the red star at the end. Click on that. And then click on the map to tell us where you are. Now, in the pre-show, a lot of people put in their uh, location and the weather and the time. Feel free to do that again. It's awfully fun to see where people are calling in from or listening from. Since this is U.S. national parks, it's no surprise this is a largely U.S. audience. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn that uh, permission to modify the whiteboard off and then let Jenny take the slides either back to where she wanted or moving one forward. Thanks everybody for being here tonight.
Okay, so I'm going to actually back us up a tiny bit. Um, I believe this is the slide I wanted. Let's see. Yes, so um, I wanted to let everyone know that um, this tonight's event is um, being sponsored by ABC Clio, the award-winning uh, publisher of reference titles, um, and that they have created a special edition of their newsletter um, focused on the national parks and helping you um, utilize free resources to spark your students' interest in the parks and in preservation in general. So I um, encourage you all to visit the PBS Teachers site. I'm going to put the URL in the chat window right now um, where you'll find more information about this uh, special issue of their um, newsletter. And you can get a link over there. Um, there's some really great free resources there for you to utilize. Um, and we are uh, very appreciative of ABC Clio for, for sponsoring tonight. So um, just to give you a sense of what you can expect in the next hour, uh, we have three wonderful educators um, with us tonight. Catherine Karanen and Lynn Malone are both retired teachers who are experts at using geospatial technologies in the classroom. And they're going to be showing you a couple of examples of using a tool called ArcGIS Explorer to teach about a place. And, and they're going to tie that to the national parks. Um, it's a free tool, so um, hopefully what you see tonight will get you excited to explore it on your own. We're also joined by Leslie Rule, who's the director of KQED Center for Community Media. Leslie's an expert in digital storytelling, and she's the creator of a series of terrific place-based digital storytelling modules that exist on the National Parks website, which launched not long ago. So you have some really um, expert folks here tonight to talk to you about using technology in a classroom and using it specifically to teach about place and the parks. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of great information. So um, we hope that you are as excited as we are to, um, to be here. Before I turn things over to Catherine to start her presentation, I wanted to uh, just pull up a clip from the film. For those of you who have not seen it, um, this is a clip that I think does a nice job of sort of focusing on the importance of place and looking at um, what the parks have to teach us, not just about geology, but also about um, ourselves. So this is going to come up in a second. It's a very short clip, so please enjoy it, and then we'll resume. Something bigger than yourself, or you know that, but you don't feel it. 
Great. So hopefully you were all able to see that. If not, Steve put the URL in the chat window so you can go back and visit it at another time. That's part of a larger collection of clips from the film that are all available on YouTube. And there are a lot of clips available at both PBS Teachers and the National Park site as well. Um, so now I'm going to turn it over to Catherine. As I said, she is a teacher and expert at um, GIS. Um, and so she is going to show you ArcGIS Explorer and what you and your students can do to learn about place. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, everybody. I'm really having a good time watching where everybody's from over here in the chat window. Tonight, in this presentation, you're going to be using a tool called ArcGIS Explorer. It's a free, downloadable geographic data viewer that gives you an easy way to explore, identify, ask questions, and share information in a geographic context. You can access ready-to-use base maps. You can add your own local data. You can add photos and other information. In this scenario, we're going to look at Yosemite National Park in relationship to its surroundings. We're going to investigate some of its main features, and we're going to add text and video from outside sources. The question here is where is Yosemite National Park? As you can see me zooming in, you can see that it's to the west of Nevada. It's in the Sierra Nevada Mountains of California. And if you look over to the west, you can see San Francisco. Right to the west of it is the Central Valley of California. And to the east of it is Lake Mono. If you can continue zooming in, you can see that it's a very large park. It encompasses 1,200 square miles, and it was one of our first wilderness parks. If you see those green trees and that yellow pushpin, that is the visitor center. So we're going to, like you do in any park, we're going to go to the visitor center, and we're going to pick up a brochure. And this is a question link to a URL. Now, as I go through the next slide, I would like for you all to look at the lower left-hand corner, and you will see our navigational controls. This allows us to zoom in and out. It allows you to turn, and it allows you to tilt. So the next view that you see, we have actually tilted this so you get a 3D perspective. And you see that valley, which is at the center of Yosemite, with those big can those canyons, those cliffs on the side, and the Mercer River down there. Now, 
I, I want you all to know this is not, if you were doing this in real time, this is not a static thing. You could move this around. You could like right here, you could zoom in and you could see bridal, bridal veil falls, you could see Yosemite. But right now what we're going to do is put some imagery on it and this is where it would be the most fun to do your investigation. What we've chosen of course to look at is the icon of Yosemite which is Half Dome. Half Dome is a majestic structure that comes 8,000 feet above sea level and thousands of people hike to the summit. They actually have cables up there at the top that helps the hikers get to the top and the only thing they want you to be really, really careful about is not to be stuck up there during the summer lightning storms. Now, we use our navigational tools to turn Half Dome so you can see it on the other side. So you can see here we have we're capable of turning this in any direction. Now another thing that's in this park is a webcam. And when I found this webcam, I have had a good time with this. This webcam goes is just in real time. And you can get an image of Half Dome at any time. The one that I'm actually going to show you is taken on October the fourth. But I've looked at this in the morning and I've looked at it during the middle of the day and I've looked at it at night and it is spectacular. These webcams are in parks all over the United States. We're going to go back now to the visitor center and I've actually embedded in the map a PDS document of African American soldiers called the Buffalo Soldiers. And if we had time, I would run this little clip. But this clip is like actually embedded in the map. Now, before I go any further, I want to answer a question. And the question is, why would a teacher want to do this? What is it about these geographic data viewers that make them important? And in order to do this, I have to tell you a story. And it's the story of the Viewmaster. My husband had a Viewmaster when he was a child. And that shaped our entire adult family life from beginning to end as we were on your vacation. For those of you that remember, or those of you that still have a Viewmaster, you got that slight 3D view, you looked through it, and he had a reel that had images of the National Park. These images didn't have lesson plans, they didn't have sound. The beauty of the park stood for himself. And the impression these images made lasted into his adult life. So I think what I would want for our students of today is for the geographic data viewer to become their viewmaster. I mean, you could say, where are the parks? Are they close enough to visit? Which ones do I want to see? I think this would be a really great activity to do in that time, you know, at the end of the year after you get given all the tests between the kids get out when the kids get out for summer, you could divide them up into groups and have them each take a park. And after they explored the parks and found out about some of their features, they should, could go online and get any of those neat video clips that are on the PBS website or those images on the National Park sites and link them up to their presentations. On my last slide, I want to show you what a colleague of mine has actually done with ArcGIS Explorer. If you see over there on the right, he actually has mapped all the national parks. And this was the first part of his little activity that he did, which is actually posted on this website. 
he's got the parts now, but then he took it further than that, and he grouped them up, and he said, these are the parts I've been to. These are the parts I want to see. These are the parts I can visit within two days. This actually became his personal journal of the National Park. This concludes my part of the presentation, and I would like to turn the presentation over now to Lynn Malone, who will show you the process of how to use ArcGIS Explorer. Thanks, Catherine. Um, what I'd like to show you is that with ArcGIS Explorer, your students can explore and discover our national parks on their own. I think the real power of this tool is that it allows each student to control his or her, her own learning experience, and each student's experience will be different. Even if they've never actually visited one of our national parks, ArcGIS Explorer will enable them to create their own virtual expedition and readily share their experiences with others by creating a presentation like the one Catherine just showed you about Yosemite. Today's students are very much at home, as we all know, in the virtual world, and this is a tool that enables them to experience and learn about our national parks in that setting. So to show you how simple the process is, I'd like to demonstrate how to create a simple presentation about Shenandoah National Park. ArcGIS Explorer opens to display a 3D globe like the one you see in the background of this slide. Uh, I'd like our presentation to begin with this view, so all I have to do is click Edit Presentation. You see that in the upper left. And then Capture New Slide. When I do that, I can see a thumbnail of the slide that I just created in the window to the left of my map. With ArcGIS Explorer, I can easily change base maps. To do that, I simply click the Base Map button on the Home tab, and this opens a window showing me an array of base maps to choose from. You can see it on your screen. The one I'm going to select now is called Streets. In this slide, you can see that my base map has changed. I want to make this the second slide in my presentation, so all I have to do is go back to the Presentation tab, and once again click Capture New Slide, and notice that a second thumbnail has been added to the Slides window next to my map. Now I'm going to zoom into the eastern United States so I can see where Shenandoah National Park is, is in relation to other familiar features. It's very easy to zoom and pan in the ArcGIS Explorer map. Shenandoah National Park stretches between Front Royal and Waynesboro in western Virginia. You can see it on your map. At this scale, we can see that the park is located to the west of the Baltimore-Washington metro area and the Chesapeake Bay, and situated on the eastern edge of the Appalachian Mountains. I'll capture my third slide here. Once again, you see my new slide in the list of thumbnails on the left. Now I'm going to zoom in even closer so I can get a better sense of the topography of the park area, and I'll capture this view for my fourth slide. Now I'd like to switch my base map once again. Following the same procedure I did earlier, I select the Home tab and then click the Base Map button. This time, I'll select the base map called Imagery. This is going to change my base map to a satellite image of the same extent we're looking at now. 
I think the ability to switch so easily from a graphical representation of the Earth's surface to an actual image provides one of those real aha moments um, that are just great learning moments. This will be my fifth slide. See, I'm capturing a new slide. Now, the slider bar at the lower left corner of my map actually allows me to tilt it either towards me or away from me. The process of tilting the map surface enhances the 3D effect and provides a real sense of the landscape. At this point, you feel like you're flying right over the park. This will be the sixth slide in our presentation. If you remember in Catherine's presentation about Yosemite, she had several icons on her map, one linked to a webcam view of Yosemite and another to the Visitor Center website. With ArcGIS Explorer, it's easy to create links to just about any type of media, websites, photographs, videos, or documents. I'll show you how simple it is. On the Home tab, I'll click on Point on the Notes button. You can see that right above the cursor. And when I do that, I click anywhere on my map to place the point where I want it to be. When I do this, an orange balloon icon and an empty note box appears. What I want to do here is create a link to the PBS National Parks webpage where we can view a video. I'll name this note Shenandoah National Park in the title bar. Then I'll change the icon from the orange balloon to a movie reel. And all I have to do to accomplish that is to right click on the balloon icon and select a new symbol from a drop down menu that gives me a lot of options. There's a movie reel in there, so it's perfect. Finally, I'll paste in the URL for the PBS webpage into the box itself. And when I'm done, I click OK. And as soon as I do that, the note box immediately changes to the window that you see on your screen now. You can see that the note is now titled Shenandoah National Park, and it contains the web page. I paste it into the note box. When I close the note window, my movie reel icon will still be there. So I can link to the National Park's web page at any time by just clicking on it. So far, we've created a very brief presentation with just seven slides. But I think you can see just how easy it is to create them. Students can make any number of slides and string together a whole story, sharing their own vision. The other really cool thing, which you can't see because this is a static PowerPoint presentation, is that they can interrupt their presentation at any point while they're showing it because it's a live map. So if someone watching their presentation asks, is that a waterfall over there? They can interrupt the presentation, go to the point, and investigate to answer that question. When they're ready to resume, all they have to do is click Next Slide to jump back into the sequence. So they can create, modify, and rearrange any number of slides, which can have any number of associated media elements to present their own personal view of the area. If you have 30 kids, you can have 30 presentations of the same area, but they'll all be totally different. The final thing I want to show you is how to create concluding an introductory slide for your presentation to give it a more polished look. First, we'll create our concluding slide. From the Home tab, click the Add Content button and select the bottom item, which is called Image Overlays. All this means is that you want to add an image to lay on the top of your map. 
This opens a navigation window which enables you to locate the image that you want to use. In this case, I've already created a slide, so all I have to do is navigate to its location on my hard drive and then click Open. When I do that, my image appears, but it probably doesn't fit my map display area exactly. As you can see here, the word Park is not fully visible. To correct that problem, I simply right-click on the name of the image in the contents list to the, to the left of my viewing area, and then I select Position, and then select Fill. And lo and behold, my image now fits the view window perfectly. So I, all I need to do is capture a new slide to create the concluding image for my presentation. Now I'm going to go back to the very beginning of my presentation and use this a very similar strategy to create an introductory slide. First I select the first slide in my presentation by simply clicking on it in the list of presentation slides. You can see that it's selected number one on the left. Then I once again ask ArcGIS Explorer to capture a new slide. And as you can see, when I do this, it gives me a second copy of the first slide. Number on the left here, number one and number two are exactly the same slide right now. What I'm going to do next is to turn on the same image we used for our concluding slide by putting a check in the box by its name. The image now fills my view area, as you can see, just the way I want it. Now all I have to do is click Recapture Slide, and this view becomes the first slide in my presentation. That's all there is to it and we're ready to see the presentation. In order to see it, I very simply go to the Presentation tab and click From Beginning to start the presentation to show. If you want to see this presentation or Catherine's, uh, what they actually look like in the ArcGIS Explorer program, you can go to the Ed Community blog where you'll find video versions of these and several other uh, presentations about our national parks. The URL for the Ed Community blog is right there on the bottom of this slide. And finally, remember that this is a free program, and you can download it from the ESRI site listed at the top of the slide. In conclusion, I'd just like to say that as teachers, we're always looking for a hook, something that will be intriguing enough to students to draw them into the content we feel so passionate about. ArcGIS Explorer can be that hook. It appeals to today's technology-driven students, and it's easy for them to use. It allows them to be active, hands-on learners, and to customize their learning experience. I think you'll find that this tool, in combination with the PBS videos and their rich online resources, will enable your students to truly explore our extraordinary national park system from your own classroom, wherever it is. Thank you. Thanks, Catherine. That was great. I see from the chat window that there's a lot of enthusiasm about this tool, a lot of good questions. So we are going to have a Q&A period at the end where we can um, address all those questions. But folks should feel free to keep putting questions in the chat window. And hopefully Catherine and, and Lynn and also Charlie here from ERSRI can help to answer some of those questions as we move forward. Um, before I introduce Leslie, I wanted to show another brief clip from the film series and also then take you on a brief tour of the educators area of the National Parks website. So I'm going to pull up this clip. This one is less than a minute long. 
Um, but it does a really nice job, I think, of talking about the democratic ideals on which the parks were founded. And I think the tool that, uh, that Catherine and Lynn have just shown us, you know, is very much designed to help people sort of tell their own stories of the parks. Um, so I, I hope this is a nice segue between um, that idea and what Leslie's going to be sharing in a moment, which is um, how the parks inspire personal as well as community stories. So here's the clip. So for those of you who haven't seen the series, that is um, Ranger Shelton Johnson, who um, is, is featured frequently in the series and is a really wonderful ambassador to the parks. Um, I'm going to pull up the site now. And I'm going to take you directly to the four educators area of the site because there are um, a wealth of resources here and I want to make sure that you're all aware of these. Um, I saw someone say earlier that she teaches fourth grade. Um, most of the resources on the site were designed with middle and high school students in mind, but they can definitely be utilized with younger students. So. Um, you'll need to uh, use your, the scroll bar to the right of this window to scroll down this page with me. Um, I'm going to go down now to um, the first subsection, which is the lesson plans area. There are um, over 10 lesson plans here that are designed to teach about a whole wealth of interdisciplinary topics. Some of them focus on the history of the parks. One of them focuses on campfire conversations between President Roosevelt and John Muir and has students sort of recreate um, a campfire and, and imagine um, a sort of an original conversation between these two incredibly influential men. Um, some of them look at how the parks have been uh, captured artistically, so they look at photography and other art mediums uh, or media um, and, and how those have been used to capture place. Some of them look at the art of storytelling and um, a particular story from the series about a couple who traveled all over the parks and used photography and diaries to capture their experience and they engage students in uh, creating their own stories about place. Um, so there, and that's just a small sub-collection of, of what's there. So I strongly encourage you to visit um, the lesson plans area. I can click over there now just quickly um, to show you um, the, the wide array. There are some that look at the, uh, some lessons that look at the balance between uh, wanting to encourage tourism in the parks and, oops, I got a whoops page, so I'll just back out of there for now. Um, wanting to
to encourage tourism and wanting to encourage preservation and have students look both at the historical debates about that as well as modern day issues in which um, people are trying to balance those two sometimes competing aims. Um, right below the lesson plans, if you scroll down this page again, uh, you'll see that there's what uh, they're calling a series of day trip activities. These are um, sort of snapshot ideas that teachers can use to incorporate the series in their classrooms. Um, these also are interdisciplinary. One of them looks at invasive species and the effects they're having on the parks. Uh, some of them look at the um, notion of community service and, and think about um, the Civilian Conservation Corps and how that was really key in developing the parks and in encourage teachers and students to explore ways that they can get involved in helping to preserve their own local communities. Uh, then scrolling down the, part of the page a little bit further, there is the Untold Stories discussion guide area. Um, the Untold Stories project was an effort to create a series of mini documentaries that complement the larger film series and that look at um, diverse perspectives and experiences in the parks. So they look at how African Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, and Native Americans were instrumental in the history of the parks and how they're instrumental in the, the mission that the parks are trying to fulfill today. Um, each of these has a video clip as well as discussion questions and background information and ideas for how you can engage your students with this content. And last but certainly not least, there is a collection of wonderful screencasts. Um, these are video tutorials designed to help you as educators use new media um, and technology tools to implement place-based digital storytelling uh, lessons in your own classrooms. And we are very um, lucky tonight to have with us Leslie Rule, who created these place-based digital storytelling modules. Um, and she's going to talk to you about um, what these modules offer you and then show you some examples of place-based digital storytelling um, that, uh, that have been created by KQED, where she runs the Center for Community Media. So I'm going to close out of this web tour, um, and I'm going to forward the slides and welcome Leslie. Um, please uh, take it away. Thank you, Jenny, and um, thanks, Lynn and Catherine, for that, that wonderful uh, presentation on ArcGIS Explorer. Um, so we're going to take a look today um, at the 11 place-based digital storytelling modules that we created for uh, the National Parks uh, series. So um, the first thing you might be asking, and I just want to set the context, is what is place-based digital storytelling? Um, we've been defining digital storytelling for years now, um, but if we think about it, and this isn't really a definition, but more just kind of a statement, um, it relies upon the importance of personal story or personal narrative, the love of place. Um, it was really interesting, even as we were here, everyone was <laughs> really shouting out where they were from. Um, we are all from somewhere, and that place is really important to us. Um, and then the use of technologies old and new to foster these personal connections, the sustainable connections to our nation's national treasures. In this particular context, it's national parks, but um, we have many, many, many national treasures. So that's the way we think of place-based digital storytelling, story for storytelling, new and old technologies for digital. And then really, we're going to look at mapping and geo-applications that are, have come up in the last couple of years for place-based. 
Um, but first, let's have a little survey to see um, where we are in this whole place-based spectrum. Um, so we're going to do a survey, and if you look right under where all the names are, there's a check for you know yes and an X for no. So um, do you use an online photo sharing site like Flickr or Picasa? And if you do, click yes. And if you don't, click no. We just want to get an idea here. So it looks like 40% of us do, 19% of us don't, and 40% of us none. So maybe yes, maybe no. Um, next question, we're going to go a little bit deeper. Have you used Google Earth or Google Maps? So have you used those? Google Earth is an application. Google Maps is an online app. Go ahead and you can um, Put up your your checks and and X's. So actually, more people have used Google Earth or Google Maps than have used um, Flickr. It's kind of interesting, um, and very few people haven't. Okay. And then the final question is: We're going to go yet a little bit deeper. Is have you created your own content using either Google Earth or Google Maps? Because in the end, that's where we're going. Good. We have we have a no on 34%. We have yes on 29, and none on 35. I'm sure you guys can see that too. Um, but I'm willing to bet. That by the end of this presentation, a hundred percent of you will be wanting to create and upload your own content either to Google Earth or Google Maps. Um, so here we go. Um, I'm going to now take us take us on a web tour, and I'm going to take us over um, to the PBS site where we just came from, and we're going to run one of the screencasts. So give me just a second here. Should be loading now. Okay, so we are um, we've gone directly to the place-based digital storytelling modules, and the way that we work this out is we really have three tiers, and um, the tiers are based on sort of level of resources available, whether that's knowledge about technology or comfort with using it or implementing it in the classroom, um, or just your skills around, uh, you know, using new media. Um, and so tier one really is about uploading to Flickr and geotagging. So there's an uploading feature to Flickr. You can upload your photos, and then you can geotag them to their map and see all the other photos that have been geotagged. So that's tier one. Tier two is really using geo applications to place content. So that's the idea behind placing your own content on Google Earth or Google Maps. Um, and also, there's a PBS um, tool called Share Your Story that allows you to upload and geotag your story to get a sense. And it goes onto a national map. So it gives a sense of what um, other people around the country are saying about their national parks. Um, and the tier three 
screencasts, or really there are seven screencasts step by step on creating a digital story. Um, very simple. One thing I'll say is all of the software that we have used is free. Um, most of it is platform agnostic. So you know there's there are options available for both Mac and PC. Mostly these kind these uh, softwares now they ship with your operating system. So and all of that is detailed in all of the, the tier three screencasts. So that's the idea behind these eleven modules. Is really a, a gradation to the whole you know the whole kit and caboodle, the price based digital stories. Um, what I want you to do now is, as with Jenny, um, you're going to have to scroll down. So I want you to scroll down past Tier 1 all the way to Tier 2 so you get to the screen that says Introduction to Geo Applications. And there's an arrow there which, of course, um, I would like us to click. But before we go, um, I want to – there's three steps in this whole process. And we're only going to watch through the first two, which is about 5 minutes and 15 seconds. So um, I'm going to cut off the webcast um, at that point. But what I'm hoping as you as you um, watch this is we're going to be looking at using Google Earth as a mashup tool, um, so that we can. It's kind of interesting. This summer I spent a lot of time, three months on the Appalachian Trail, hiking the AT, and um, what I found was there's all kinds of information available. About the AT that can be overlaid on Google Earth, and that's what we're really going to look at. Um, we're going to both look at formal and informal organizations that have um, had their content uh, aggregated on Google Earth. Um, basically, it's different information gets combined or mashed up, and the mashup gives a fuller, richer, broader, and deeper understanding than any one piece of information or any one organization's view of it. Um, so let's go ahead and we're going to click that. The first place mark you're going to see is the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. The second layer is going to be a National Parks layer. Um, and it's going to bring up the Shenandoah National Park. And we're going to keep adding layers. The third layer is going to be a local land use NGO that gets put on top of these other two layers. And the fourth layer is an individual created content. Um, and what we're going to end up having is content and media from all different sources with the idea being that, that is a richer picture of what's happening in Appalachia than any one view. So, and you don't have to do anything. This is a screencast. So we're going to walk you through the process. Just click your arrow and let's go. Our educast on using new media tools for outreach in support of National Parks, America's best idea, a new film by Ken Burns. The purpose of this educast is to introduce online geo applications, specifically Google Earth, and to explore how these new media tools can help forge a stronger bond between community and place. Step one is locating your place. The main navigation tools are on the right. The slider allows you to zoom in and zoom out, thereby changing scale. The other two navigation controls allow you to look around from a single vantage point or to move your position from one place to another. Feel free to experiment on your own with these. You can search for a specific place by using the fly to text box in the top left. 
Just enter your location and then click on the search button. If you search using an address, you'll go directly to that location. But if you put in a well-known place, undoubtedly you'll get numerous results. Still in the left-hand corner, untick the unrelated or extraneous results and they'll disappear from the map. Once you've determined the most appropriate result or results, you can either use the navigation tools on the right to zoom in. Which national parks are in the So that was an example of the screencast. Um, and it's basically a how-to. And what I also want to show you right here is that there is an associated um, uh, PDF that goes with it that actually takes you through each step by step by step by step. It really tells you exactly what you need to do so that you have a hard copy right there if you need it. And likewise, um, you can also be watching it on screen. You can let your kids watch this at home. Um, it's, it's you know, it's easily accessible. Likewise, they can download the PDF or watch it. Um, or watch it. You know, most kids actually don't need the PDF, but the teachers do. Um, and we're running a little bit short of time, so I'm going to really quickly take us um, over to Google Maps because this is the idea of place-based. Um, with Google Earth, what we did was we mashed up a bunch of existing content. Right on top of each other to give a fuller, richer picture. We're going to go over to Google Maps, and actually, I'm going to show you how you can create your own collective map. So, give me two seconds here while I take us over there. This was the outgrowth of a. Um, So I hope everyone can see um, the Google map that's in front of you. Um, this was the Serpentine Prairie. Um, and this is a part of our East Bay Regional Park. So we had a workshop here. And it was a digital storytelling workshop. People went out and explored the place. They came back, wrote a short narrative, took pictures or video, whichever fitted their style. Um, and what you're seeing here on the map itself, these icons underneath them have embedded video or images. And over in the left, you see you have a description of the Serpentine Prairie and a list of what all of these icons are. So I'm just going to go ahead and select the second one. If you go down, um, if you're looking at the map itself, you'll have your text on the left, Serpentine Prairie titled. Go ahead and click on the second icon, the link that says Shapes in the Park by Lana. If you click on that, you'll see that an embedded video comes up. And this is the digital story that was created by Lana about uh, the Serpentine Prairie. And now, now you're able to um, actually make a collective map. And the importance of this really is, and it's the same idea with national parks, that no one person owns the story, that the real story is a collection of many people's story. And that place has many layers. It's almost like narrative archaeology. Um, the place has many layers of, of stories involved. So that's pretty much I'm going to end my presentation. Um, the last, the tier three screencasts are the ones that take you through the digital storytelling process and the uploading to YouTube so that you can actually embed it in this map. And 
finally, what I want to say is this stuff is so simple to do. There is a sort of saying in new media, which, which is once done, learned. If you can cut and paste, you can do everything on a, on a Google map that you just saw. So there we go. Um, I'm going to throw it back now to Jenny and thank you very much. Um, go ahead and look at the screencast. We'll take you through the entire process. And you, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I just read your school box YouTube. Well, we can talk about that. But anyway, um, the whole process, and you too can create a, a Google Map. Great. Thank you so much, Leslie. Um, I know that was quick, folks, but hopefully um, you will you know, grab this, uh, the archives of this event so that you'll have the URLs for all of the sites that um, are being shown to you tonight. I'm sure that if you um, really want to delve into this, you're going to spend a significant time exploring both ArcGIS Explorer and these great digital storytelling modules. And we hope that you will uh, you know, visit the National Park site to look at those other educational resources and some great videos as well. Uh, Morningstar says, how do I get all of those? We will be archiving um, this whole event um, and posting the, the files on both Classroom 2.0 and PBS Teachers. They'll be up in a, a day or so. Um, and you'll have a transcript of the chat, so that'll provide you with all of the URLs. You'll also have a recording of the entire event. Um, and you'll have an audio-only version of that and a portable video version of that as well so that you can um, revisit the event afterwards and hopefully share it with your colleagues. So now is the time for our Q&A. Um, please feel free to um, put some new questions in the window. I'm going to go ahead and look, because Steve and I have been collecting questions throughout the hour um, and, and pose some questions that I've seen um, come up previously. So uh, one of the questions was about um, ArcGIS and the Mac. I, I, I know that Charlie answered that in the window, but um, does one of you want to just speak to that again, ArcGIS Explorer, and how you would use that with a Mac? Because I saw that a, a number of people asked that question. I can address that one. Uh, this is Charlie. Um, and uh, ArcGIS Explorer is a Windows-only tool. Uh, many people use virtualization software on a Macintosh, either um, Parallels or Fusion or Boot Camp, and run Windows on their Mac. And I do that, and it runs great. Great. Thanks, Charlie. Um, someone also asked about um, having students download ArcGIS and use it outside of the classroom. Lynn or Catherine, have you had experience doing that in the past? Everybody, everybody, all of our kids have downloaded ArcGIS Explorer. I have a lot of students using it. They just go online and do it themselves. Great. Um, and then someone asked about bandwidth issues with using ArcGIS Explorer um, and whether it's a bandwidth hog um, and, and how well it tends to work in school districts. Okay, let me, let me just say, I've used this in two classroom settings. Now, they had a pretty good Internet connection, and all the kids were using it, and it all works fine. I, I don't know if, if you don't have a really good internet connection whether everybody's going to get the hookup or not. Charlie, what's your read on that? 
any of the tools, whether it's Google Earth, ArcGIS Explorer, that are going to rely on um, significant uh, uh, data coming off of the Internet will um, uh, have some issues if the school doesn't have a strong connection and uh, 30 machines at once are trying to do a, uh, a significant uh, access to resources. Um, uh, many of these uh, schools have uh, restricted access that way. Uh, some schools have said, hey, we're going to focus on using uh, local data as well. Um, ArcGIS Explorer is able to do that, and that's the way some schools have uh, uh, gotten around the uh, issue. You have to have the, the, uh, the content that you want locally, but it can work that way. Great. Um, so looking through the questions, I saw there were a lot of comments about YouTube and a lot of questions about um, you know, showing videos from YouTube during this event. And I just wanted to um, give folks a little bit of information. All of the National Park videos that um, are on YouTube, those clips are also, or not, not all of them, but the clips I showed tonight and a, and a bunch more of them are available at both the National Parks website and at PBS Teachers in our Media Infusion blog. I put those URLs into the chat window earlier tonight. I'll put them in again so that folks have them. So that if you are at a school that blocks YouTube, you should be able to go to either one of these sites and um, and and watch those videos with your students. Um, someone asked why we were showing the videos on YouTube tonight rather than showing them on the National Park site. The only reason is that um, when you the videos on YouTube are autoplay, so it's just a little bit easier in the Illuminate environment to pull up videos in that way and have them just play without having people to have to um, press play on their own individual computers. So that's the reason that we did that tonight. Um, but you now have in the chat window two places where you can go to access these videos um, to watch them with your students. Um, I mentioned earlier that the entire series is airing on pbs.org slash video. Um, that's true through October 10th. Um, and then unfortunately the, the series will not be available as streaming video in its entirety. Um, but if I'm going to go through the slides, the remaining slides in a second, and, and we do have um, a code, a discount code for folks who want to purchase the video. Um, and, and wonderful clips from throughout the series will remain available on, on these other sites that I mentioned. Um, so don't feel like you're, you know, the, the video is going to go away on the 10th and you'll never be able to see it again. You'll, you and your students will have access to a lot of great clips to watch. Um, and you know, the advantage of, of purchasing the series is, of course, that you can use it in perpetuity with your students. Um, people also asked about whether the, um, the film series is going to air again. And many, many PBS stations are going to start airing it again this week, showing one episode per week. So please check with your local station to find out whether it's being aired in your local area. Um, there are rights specifically for teachers that um, you can tape each of those episodes off the air and use it for one year in your classroom with your students. So um, it's definitely something to look out for and find out what's coming up on your local PBS station schedule. Um, I wanted to thank 
the producers and funders of the National Parks America's Best Idea. Um, this was a co-production of Florentine Films and WIDA. And there are many, many funders, as you can see here on the slide, um, including Bank of America, the Evelyn and Walter Haas Jr. Fund, Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the Arthur Vining Davis Foundation, Park Foundation, Public Broadcasting Service, National Park Foundation, the Peter J. Sharp Foundation, Pew Charitable Trusts, and General Motors. So it really does take a village when it comes to a Ken Burns production. Um, here's some information on watching the films. As I said, please check with your local station or go to pbs.org video to watch the whole series between now and the 10th. Here's the information about the discount. So if you go to shoppbs.org education, um, they're offering $5 off on purchases of $25 or more, and the code that you need is TWEB10 or TWEB10. Um, and this is good through October 21st of this year. So um, that'll give you a little bit of help, at least, towards purchasing the series. Um, and this, this code is good for any video on, um, on PBS shop um, for teachers. So it's not exclusive to the national parks. Uh, I wanted to let folks know that we have a bunch of um, videos coming up, or sorry, webinars coming up. On the 22nd, we're going to be giving folks an overview of the new PBS Teachers website, which we updated a few months back and showing you um, some great new features, including um, feeds so that you can see what other PBS teachers are doing. You can log into the site. You can comment and rate resources. Um, you can join discussions with other teachers about PBS content, about um, you know, challenges in the classroom and how you're using media and technology to address those. So we hope you'll join us for that. Then on November 10th, we have um, our colleagues at PBS Teacher Line, which is our award-winning online professional development service, um, who are going to be talking about the courses that they offer and how you can get uh, pajama-compatible professional development credits uh, through PBS Teacher Line. Um, later in November, we're going to have a uh, webinar featuring Sid the Science Kid, a very popular PBS Kids program, which is going to look at um, the flu and health issues. And then in December, on December 8th, we're going to be joined by the producers of Frontline's Digital Nation, which is a really exciting multimedia um, and user-generated content project looking at how technology is changing the way that we teach and learn today. And that's a participatory project where teachers and students are being actively encouraged right now to share their stories about how technology is, um, is influencing what they do. So um, we hope that you'll join us for that webinar as well. Of course, we hope that you, in, in between webinars, will visit PBS Teachers, where in addition to offering webinars, we offer thousands of free resources that are standards-based and connected to our on-air programs. Um, and as I mentioned, we have a community where you can join the site and comment and rate and um, interact with other PBS teachers. We have a new series of um, widgets called Activity Packs, where we've taken our content that's organized around specific themes and pulled it all together into these cute little widgets. And you'll notice there's a grab it button on the bottom of the one to the left. You can um, just embed this widget right on your own class or school web page or um, social media site so that you can um, use it again in the future. And there's all kinds of different topics represented um, in, in these different widgets. So we hope you'll um, visit the PBS Teachers Activity Packs page and check these out. 
Um, we do have a discussion in the community where we're hoping that people will continue to talk about some of the topics that have been uh, brought up tonight. So if you are just, you know, getting a, a taste of this and you want to talk to other teachers about how they're using these technologies in the classroom, we hope that you'll log into the site and join that discussion and share your thoughts and questions. Um, of course, we also encourage you to join Classroom 2.0, the network um, that Steve created, uh, which is uh, over 15,000 strong today and um, is a community of educators talking about using Web 2.0 and, and collaborative technologies in learning. Oh, wow, Steve, correct me, 31,000 strong. I've been asleep at the wheel since I last checked. Um, and we want to thank Illuminate for hosting tonight's event um, and making this all possible. Last but not least, here's the information on our archive pages. If you go to both the PBS Teachers homepage and the Classroom 2.0 homepage in the next day or two, you will um, see links to these archive pages where you can grab the recordings of tonight's event. And last but not least, I'm going to ask Steve to pull up the survey. If you're interested in getting a letter of confirmation um, so that you can show professional development folks back in your school or district that you participated in tonight's event, please fill out the complete survey and let us know that you're interested in receiving um, a letter of confirmation and we'll send that out to you shortly. Um, and we appreciate everyone's filling out the survey so that we can, you know, continue to learn about and make these events stronger in the future. So we hope we'll see you on the 22nd. Um, all of our speakers are still here and Steve and I are going to stick around for a couple minutes while folks are filling out the survey. So if you have those last minute questions that haven't been answered yet, please feel free to um, to go ahead and put those in the chat window. Uh, thank you so much to all of our presenters for being here tonight. Um, the information that you shared was really, really terrific and hopefully will inspire many of, of our participants to go and explore these tools further. Thanks always, Steve, for helping to moderate um, and I hope that everyone has a wonderful night. Thanks, Jenny. This is Steve. Just letting the moderators know Please don't close that web pro window with a survey because you have the privileges and it would close it down for everyone. So thanks again for a great night. So I'm looking through the questions. I don't think there are any that we missed, but um, hopefully if someone did ask a question that didn't get answered, they'll ask it again here so that we can uh, be sure to, to answer it while we're all still here. I'm glad, I'm, um, I'm glad you said that, that it was on something else other than YouTube. Yeah, you know, it's 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 always an issue with teachers and um it's one of those sort of six to one half a dozen of the other situations where it works better to show it on YouTube for this event, but we want to make sure that people know that there are other places that they can find it. Maybe someday schools will decide that YouTube is not as terrifying as they seem to think it is today. Well, I've never known a school that blocks PBS, but you never know. Mm -hmm.
We did have a school block our website a while back because it has a blog on it, but I think that's been reversed. One thing we're finding too is that um, it, as much as it is uh, uh, not wanting you know kids to spend time on YouTube, that's actually changing. What isn't changing is the bandwidth problem. Is you just can't have so many downloads coming off of YouTube. Most school systems can't handle it, which is one of the. Actually, we find that to be more the reason now than you know we don't want kids on YouTube. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, That's isn't it? an issue both in the educational world and in the corporate world. And in the public public media world, believe me. <laughs> I like the United States when we all put where we're from. I think that is Yes, I like that. There's something really fascinating about place. It's it's deep. It goes really deep. Well, I, I went there so many um there are so many in the east I wanted to zoom in. Mm -hmm. And see and see where exactly in the east they were. Yeah, I don't know. Well, there were some from Maine and Rhode Island and Massachusetts and let's hear it for Rhode Island. <laughs> if you go, you go back and Rhode visit Island. the chat, um, I mean, sorry. If you go back and look at the chat um, up, up at the beginning, uh, we probably had you know 40 folks here um, well in advance, and everyone was talking about where they were from. But yeah, it looked like there yes. were a lot in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, um, so all over the place. I got I got kind of nervous. I was so busy reading when they started signing on and telling where they were and talking about it. I was so busy reading about that, I nearly didn't get <laughs> up. But you did, just in the nick of time. <laughs> I love so. this place. Love it. <laughs> Here we have some more people saying Alaska, Vermont, Boston, so. Yeah. Argentina. Illinois, yeah, Florida, New Jersey. So, and we had someone very early on say that he was participating from South Korea. Oh boy! Yeah, I think that's our furthest flung participant to date. We've had, we've had folks from Australia, and we had we've had folks in with someone in Morocco, someone in the UK, a few people in the UK. So it's exciting to see. No, not as many West Coast folks, and I wonder that whether partly that's about the time because um, it maybe is a little bit early for folks who are teaching on the West Coast. Um, but yeah, we just it's, we we don't want to make it too late on the East Coast, so it sort of seems like 5 p.m. West Coast, 8 p.m. East Coast is sort of the you know the best that we've been able to arrange so far. Oh, one woman said she's been looking forward to this all day. That's great. She's excited. Corin, I'll go back and check the website. But I think what the website says is that you can log on anytime after 7, but that the event starts at 8. Anyway, I hope that's what it says. I apologize if we misled you. Tanya, here's the link for the videos. I'm putting that in right now. Um, I, are you talking about the videos that we showed tonight? I'm gonna. I'll, I'll assume 
I'll put in all of the links in that way. You'll have all of them. So there are a lot of videos on the National Park site. The clips that we showed tonight are on the PBS Teachers site on the Media Infusion blog. Um, and if you want to watch the full episodes of the film, you can watch those at pbs.org slash video. Fabulous videos. They made me want to stop working and just uh, go visit parks. Yeah, me too. I think the whole series had that effect. I know. I was. I thought earlier, you know, how great would it have been if this had been able to air in the spring, and then all summer people could have been out and about exploring these wonderful parks. But I guess now everyone will just have to wait until next summer. And for educational purposes, it's better that it it was on now. That's true. You know, because people can be capitalizing on this in the classroom all year. Yeah, absolutely. In May, it's tough. <laughs> Great. So it looks like we don't have any more questions coming in. So um, you know, Catherine, Charlie, Lynn, and Leslie, um, thanks again for all of the work that you put into this. You, you did a terrific job. And you should really feel free to sign off um, whenever you are ready to move on to the next part of your day or evening. Um, and again, we really, really appreciate all of your help with this. Well, I certainly, well I certainly enjoyed it and um, want to say thank you for all the organizing. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. All right, guys. Good night. All right. Take it easy. Okay. Right, good night. Take good night, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.